Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, with so much drama for the NYJs, 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you on our five-hour midnight ride. I got to run, keep from hiding. All right. So, yes, we opened up with Aaron Rodgers. As you heard right there, the night is darkest before the dawn, and we shall rise again. Aaron Rodgers will be in a jet uniform. And I thought, I, I like that. That cut I thought was perfect. Don't worry. That is not going to be the lasting image you have of me in this uniform. And that's what I think that's the perfect thing to say. Like that cut right there. Because how could it possibly, all the excitement, Aaron Rodgers decided to come to the Jets. And, I mean, he's not just a good quarterback. I know the the last year with with the packers wasn't his best year but he that's a, it's it's only a year removed from winning back-to-back mvps he's one of the great players of all time and he and he wants to finish his career with the jets and it changes everything the vibe around the team everything and he goes down four plays in how could you possibly want that to be the lasting image and the last thing you get from aaron rodgers and i know you think hey what is he going to do not play, I can still fire the coach. I can fire the offensive coordinator. I can fire this one. I can fire that one. And I get it as a Jet fan, watching these games makes you want to scream that from the rooftop. And I get it. But there's a reason he chose this place. There's a reason he's here, and he's telling you he feels comfortable with these guys. It makes no sense to make him uncomfortable. It doesn't mean you're right. It doesn't mean he can't win. It doesn't mean he can't play well. But why would you even push it? And to say you know Hackett stinks because of what happened this year, what he was given is not Aaron Rodgers. It's not even close to Aaron Rodgers. There's nothing else to do but to lay back and let it wash over you. Douglas is coming back. Salah's coming back. Hackett's coming back. And hopefully a healthy Aaron Rodgers will be there to make it feel a lot different. A lot different. Joe in Somerset. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's up, Chris? Happy belated birthday, man. Oh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. You know, just allow me a couple of points. You know, perspective is such an interesting thing. You know, with, with this Odyssey app, you know, you pretty much have access to, like, any sports station in the country. Yep. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Giants fan. I happen to be listening to um, the Eagles radio you know, station tonight. And, man, listening to the Eagles, you would think that they were 5-9. I it's know. Like the fans, all, it's like people <laughs> just love like everybody's. Well, I mean, they have they have lost rest. what three in a row here, so yeah. And what what Jets fan you know on the station on the station wouldn't like trade with the Eagles to be ten and four in a second? So it's just I don't. It's, of course, it's interesting how people just love the. But complain. I well yeah, but yeah. That's, it's perspective as well. I mean, they were they're yeah. ten and four. They were ten and one. They're no right. longer in the lead of the division. They were have expectations of getting back to a Super Bowl. It's it's a little bit different. But I hear I mean. I understand what you're saying, of course, yes. I mean, yeah. but it's it's a matter of perspective. 
Yeah. For them, and this is this point. is this is misery for them because they were expecting a lot better, and the idea they may be a five seed in the playoffs, and the quarterback doesn't look good, making bad mistakes. The defensive backfield in uh, in the secondary was atrocious against right. Seattle, and so now they're one, they're wondering if they have a Super Bowl team on their hands or not. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's just, it's just it's just interesting how you know if you literally switch the fan bases, like or you listen to any station, people just people call up and they're just like so right. angry about whatever the situation is. But anyway, well, I want to say about you know Rogers. Okay, I'm going to say I'm a Giants fan, but you know it, it it's like I don't understand why why Jets fans are so upset about like you know the injury that happens or the fact that you know let, let's say like if you lose a you know in baseball like so how many wins is a manager worth right a, a good manager. Or like when Peyton Manning, you know, got hurt that year, like the Colts, they went like one and fifteen. If Aaron Rodgers didn't get hurt, let's just say, let's just say Aaron Rodgers was here, he didn't get hurt. You would have you you can at at a minimum, the Jets would have won like four more games. They probably would have beat the Chiefs. They would have beat the Raiders. They would have beat the Falcons. And they would have beat the they would have beat the Patriots. The Patriots, right? Yeah, they're nine and five, and everybody and it's a completely different tune being sung on the station, and nobody's calling for a clean house. So I just don't understand why people are just like saying, "Oh, Salah sucks," you know, the GM sucks. No, your best player got hurt and, mm-hmm. and was lost for the season. So, like, what are y'all talking arms about? Well, I I think the point is, and it's a fair one, is you look around the NFL and it's the year of the backup quarterback. I mean, quarterbacks have gone down left and right, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Not for a whole season. Well, not for a whole season. Even even you know even like Burrow, he was even gone for a couple games. Yeah. You know, the only one that was really that really missed the whole season or who took the whole season was like was like Minshew, I guess, for Richardson. But like, but nobody was gone from like the beginning of you know what I'm saying for the whole season. I understand that, but still, they've they've stabilized and won games. With and yeah. I know and I know Zach Wilson did win games. They won three in a row at one point, including beating the right. Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I get it, but um, you know, right now that's the thing. The the Bengals Burrow was injured to start the year, though he played. He was obviously injury uh, was nagged by that calf injury. Um, mm-hmm. But and now he's gone down, and they've stabilized themselves and won a bunch of games in a row. Are in the playoff picture. The Browns with Joe Flacco are winning games and are in the playoff picture. You just mentioned Gardner Minshew, and the Colts are in the playoff picture. So you've seen a lot of these teams have their quarterbacks go down and still figure out ways to win football games and still figure out ways to stay alive and afloat inside the NFL playoff picture. And the Jets could not. And the Jets were awful. I mean, listen, I get it. I understand what people are saying, but I'm with you. I I lean more towards your thinking where – Aaron Rodgers, and thank you for the call, Aaron Rodgers was brought here to be the savior of the franchise. He wasn't just another starting quarterback. He wasn't a young starting quarterback. I mean, for all, like with the Colts, I mean, this rookie year, Minshew might be better than Richardson for this one year. Hopefully that won't be the case for Richardson's career. But as a rookie quarterback, Minshew might be better. You know, Watson wasn't necessarily playing great football before he got hurt for Cleveland. He had his moments, and he was trending in the right direction a little bit. And they were winning games mainly with their defense, but it it's not like he's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers came over here, and the backup was Zach Wilson, which is the main problem. And I've gone on about that forever now. I don't feel like screaming about that anymore. But I mean, that's the to me even worse than the offensive line is allowing Zach Wilson to be the backup quarterback. That was the he should have been. You want to keep him on the roster? He's the third string quarterback. Bring in a veteran quarterback to be the backup. That's where they really went wrong in this year because they might have won enough games. To to I honestly be talking about when can Rodgers get back, but you know Aaron Rodgers came here and was everything to this team, and he went down four plays in. 
That ch- it changed everything. It changed everything. And I still have confidence in the rest of this roster with Aaron Rodgers, as long as he plays like Aaron Rodgers, to be a winning team. To be the best team in the AFC, I I don't I wouldn't think so. But let's be honest, you know what? My man Colton on the other side knows how many people picking the Steelers to win that division heading into the year. I don't think anybody saw the Baltimore Ravens as the number one seed in the AFC this year. I picked them to win the division, and some people did. I'm not saying people thought they were going to be terrible necessarily, but did anybody think that they would be the best team in the AFC? Did anybody think the Buffalo Bills would be looking outside the playoffs right now? Like, things happen. Things change. And I definitely think this Jet team next year with this defense, with retooling the wide receiver room and retooling the offensive line and Aaron Rodgers healthy and playing is good enough to be a winning team, a playoff team, and a dangerous team. Doug and Yonkers, what's up, Doug? Hey, Chris, how are you? Good, buddy, how are you? Good, happy belated birthday. Thank you very much. You guys are very kind with the birthday stuff. So, I've been a Jet fan since the mid-70s, and unlike Joe Beningo, I've never seen a championship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am so on board with you. They are so close if this guy is the real deal. As long as I get maybe get Marvin Harrison Jr. or a stud tackle, we're, it's not they're not that far away. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I agree. It's, it's, I don't like the way you put it because they looked far away this year with this offense. Uh, and thank you for the call. I, they're not far away with Aaron Rodgers from being a winning football team. I get it, but that doesn't excuse like everything that's gone on here. And this was a miserable season, and they look, they looked really bad against Miami. So it's, it's, it's not just as easy to say they're not far away, but I just don't know what else you can do. Like, you have to give it a chance. You have to. And I do think that this defense and with this team, they can be. I don't. I, I, I honestly don't think they're that far away. I think that's how much Aaron Rodgers changes everything. Now, we'll see. I could be totally wrong. He could play the first three weeks and look nothing like himself and look like a 40-year-old recently injured quarterback, and it's a disaster. And then at that point, you move on. But I, I do think the Jets are probably better than you think, and the quarterback position has ruined them over and over again. And it's easy to say now because Sunday was not about the quarterback necessarily. They got overrun offensively at the offensive line. So it's not necess- it wasn't like Zach Wilson, although he shouldn't have fumbled that football. And I don't know why he tried to make a play instead of just going down. He turned around and tried to throw the ball and cost the team the turnover. But ultimately, it didn't matter who was playing quarterback in that particular game. There are games with with these teams that it doesn't matter. I think they're few and far between. But I would think Sunday, even with Aaron Rodgers, they lose to Miami, the way that game went. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could have been the quarterback for the New York Giants in week one against the Cowboys. They were losing that game. There are games where it's just obvious it wasn't going to happen. But there's a million, and that happens in the NFL to every team, to every team. The Miami Dolphins had one against Buffalo. You knew that Buffalo was not losing that game. The Cowboys just had that game against Buffalo. Buffalo was not losing that game. It didn't matter who was the quarterback. They weren't losing that football game. The 49ers against the Eagles, they weren't losing that football game. There are games where it just wasn't going to happen no matter who played quarterback. 
But those are few and far between. And if you look at this Jets season, I can count a bunch of games that I know they win with Aaron Rodgers. I know they win. I know they beat the Patriots. I know they beat the Falcons. I know they beat the Chargers. That's three wins right there. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Franklin and Kingston. What's up, Franklin? Hey, Chris. How you doing, man? Good, buddy. Uh, how are you? Want to talk a little bit of Mets? Uh, and then you've been, you know, talking about yeah, about. And then, um, have you thought about maybe a backup plan? Like, what? What are you gonna do if the Yankees, you know, the Mets actually get them? Anything about like? You know, backup pitchers or uh, backup players. I, I don't. You got to try and explain it to me one more time, Franklin. Sure. So, your your big fish is Yamamoto. Yes. If they don't get and Yamamoto, then, what do they do? Yes. Yeah, yeah uh, Franklin. I don't know if they do anything. I, I'm. I'm honestly. I mean, they're gonna. They're gonna add pitchers. I don't know if they pivot the way you want them to pivot. I think. Of all the teams left, and we'll get into this. Obviously, Yamamoto's a story here. Of all the teams left in the Yamamoto sweepstakes, the Dodge, and I think it's just the three, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, I don't think there's a question. The, the Mets need to win this the most for many reasons. One, King Cohen and his money prowess, and what does it actually mean if he loses this? And... The idea that he's battling the Yankees for the first time and trying to snap that little brother thing. And this is the one free agent they have targeted. The one. There's really not a lot of talk. Now, if they if they miss out on him, maybe that talk will change. But right now, like you're hearing stories about the Yankees and the Dodgers. The Dodgers just traded for glass now. The Dodgers got, obviously, the biggest prize in the history of free agency in Shohei Otani. Like there's, there's rumors about what they'll do. A hater. At, in the bullpen, and a bullpen addition. Like, there are things surrounding the Dodgers. The Yankees, same thing. You're hearing stories. They may pivot to the trade market. They may pivot to, uh, you know, Dylan Cease, or they may pivot to Bieber, or they may pivot to Corbin Burns, or there's some talks about Montgomery. Like, there's a lot more noise around the Yankees on what may happen if they miss out on Yamamoto. And while there's been maybe a little bit on the Montgomery Maybe a little bit with the Mets. You've heard a couple of rumblings about them discussing Montgomery. It doesn't sound like they have anything big in in, in plans at all. It sounds like it's Yamamoto. It's the one guy they're willing to spend in an offseason where they're trying to, I mean, I don't know, actively or just their whatever their thought process is, but it sounds like they want to take a step back a little bit. And so he's the one guy they're willing to spend money on. Next year you're going to have uh, – Soto on the free agent market. Next year, you're going to have a bunch more pitchers on the free agent market. Burns, Bieber, uh, a bunch of different guys. There's a lot more options next year. A lot more big, high-profile options. And while they're still developing young prospects, they think maybe they'd be ready to go with a combination of some free agents and prospects next year. So I'm not sure they're, I'm not sure they're off-season plans outside of Yamamoto. And if they miss on them, I don't know where the pivot is. I don't know what they do. They might not do anything. They might just get more, you know, bottom of the barrel, inning eating guys who, you know, you know can pitch and stay healthy and give you 150 innings, whether it's a four and a half ERA or whatever it is, but that kind of guy. 
And so they need starting pitching, but I don't know if they go inside the top of the market once Yamamoto is gone. 877-337-6666. Philip in Jamaica. What's up, Philip? Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Oh, you got it. Else. Happy birthday. Thank you. There's only one day you should enjoy it to its fullest. Anyway, I want to talk about, you know, Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a question. The, the Mets got the Japanese pitcher last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he pitched well. And the Dodgers got Otati. So does that make the Mets, do you think, Yamamoto would want to sign with a player with uh, with a team that has his ethnicity, you know, because the Mets have one, the yeah. Dodgers have one, yeah. the Yankees don't. Correct. Do you think the Yankees have a disadvantage? I don't. I don't. Um, and thank you for the call, Phil. Uh, typically, the word around uh, Japanese players is that they would rather not uh, join a team that already had a Japanese star, partially because they feel like... Uh, you know, the Japanese star currently wouldn't like it. The guy on the team wouldn't like it necessarily. So that's typically been the thought process. But Yamamoto's been different. Um, it apparently isn't an issue. There, some people even reporting that he would rather. I haven't heard that. I don't remember that report. But I know he's fine with it. I don't think it's an issue. Uh, Kodai Sangas come out and rolled the red carpet for him and said he would love to play with him uh, with the Mets. And obviously Shohei Otani went to the meeting and was part of the pitch to bring him to the Dodgers. So I don't think, I think for the Dodgers, it might be a negative, but not because he's another Japanese star, but because he's Shohei Otani. And he's such an enormous star. And it's such being in the shadow of of him and being the second prize free agent of this offseason for them and being someone who will be, you know, as someone who wants that stage, all the Japanese media that's going to come to those games are going to be talking to Otani first and then maybe they'll come look for Yamamoto. Like, I think not, if, I don't think, I think Sanga's probably a positive. There's not much of a negative there. I think Otani has its positives, but the big negative of him playing in the shadow of Otani, and not because he's Japanese, but because he is such a megastar, and arguably, and for me, he is the, the best player in the history of baseball. No one's ever played baseball as well as he has, and no one's ever been compensated as such like he has. And he's just an enormous star. So I think that hurts them a little bit. And I think I think that's the holdup here. Because if he was a Dodger fan and wanted to play with Otani, I think that contract would be signed. And that's really the Otani thing for me. What are we waiting for? Like, honestly, what is he waiting for? Now reports from Bob Clappish are that it could take all the way to the, the end of his uh, period to sign, which is uh, January 4th. He has to sign by January 4th. Otherwise, the posting thing collapses on itself or whatever. I don't know. It self-destructs. But So he's got it signed by January 4th. And now there's Bob Clappish is reporting that it could take that far. Most others, and Andy Martino, I believe, is still firm in the idea that it's going to be before Christmas. But who knows? But to me, and I'll tell you why, this does mean, for me, it's a positive for the New York Yankees. Your official station to talk Knicks. The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Boom. All right, 132. McMonigle here with the 877-337-6666. Yamamoto, the other big baseball story. We're just waiting to drop. We've done a lot of Rodgers. We'll get back to it. 
Uh, but Yamamoto is a story here, and it just continues to be the same same thing over and over again. We're just waiting, begging on any kind of news. And the latest from Bob Clappish is that it might take forever. Um, most other reporters are saying it's done before Christmas, and I hope Bob is wrong. And not only because when I was a producer for Steve Summers, back-to-back evenings he completely ghosted me and didn't answer my phone calls after promising to come on, Bob. Twice, Bob! I'll never forget that. Back-to-back nights. Yeah, yeah, what time? Okay, sure. Ring, come 10.30 whenever I wanted to call him. Ring, 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 ring. Never answered. Gets back to me the next day. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I, I don't know. Forget what it was. He fell asleep. He did whatever. Understandable. Sure. Oh, can we do tonight? Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll call you same time. 1030. Okay, great. Ring, ring, ring. Never answered. Back to back nights, Bob. But I'm not a bitter man. I don't hold things against people. Uh, but I'm hoping he's wrong in this, in this case, in all seriousness, because I don't want this to take forever. But here's the way I'll spin it. And I honestly believe this. I do think it's an advantage for the New York Yankees that it's taking this long. Because let me tell you, he has now met with King Cohen twice. Steve Cohen flew all the way to Japan and had lunch with him in a French-Japanese uh, restaurant. And then he went to his home and had dinner in his house in Connecticut with his wife, with the manager, with the pitching coach. And I got to believe, have to believe, that Steve Cohen is going to offer the most money and has already made it clear he's going to offer the most money. Whether the offer's on the table or not, I know the story came out two days, uh, two days ago uh, with Jeff Passan that reports that $300 million has been offered or is not accurate and has been offered yet. I still think Steve Cohen will offer over $300 million. I think he will be the highest offer, and I think he knows that. And so does... Yamamoto. And so to have Yamamoto leave that meeting or to set the meeting up with the Mets and then immediately call the Yankees and want to set up a meeting with the Yankees while he's in town and the idea he's already met with the Dodgers and we know what that pitch probably is. He's, he's, he's staying out on L.A. with his, uh, with, his, um, with his agents and the agency in Los Angeles. So I think the waiting is the idea from the early onset from the early onset of this whole story, the idea was he kind of wants to be a Yankee, all things considered. All things being equal, he wants to be a Yankee. That was the report from onset. Whether it's true or not, I tend to believe it's true. I have a feeling that he wants to be a Yankee. And right now, I think he's just waiting to see how high he can get this Yankee offer. I think he wants to let it play out there that he might sign with the Dodgers, that he might sign with the Mets, and we know Steve Cohen's money is going to be big. I think the longer this goes, all we're waiting for is to see how high the Yankees will go and what kind of game of chicken can he play with the Yankees and tell them, look, I'm going to take Steve Cohen's money. Look, I'm going to go sign with the Dodgers. I need this. I need that. Let's. How high can he get the Yankee offer? Because I know it's not the highest. Steve Cohen will have the highest offer. Have no fear, Met fans. I know a lot of you Met fans are worried. I think there's a good chance you don't get him. I think there is a slim to none chance that you don't put out the highest offer. Because Cohen can't lose this. And he knows it. So I don't think there's a doubt that he will put out the most money. The question is, will he take it? 
And for me right now, the longer it goes, the less likely he does. Because if it's about every dollar, then why not take Steve Cohen's money? How many pitches do you need? How many meetings do you need? How many dinners do you need? I think he's waiting for the Yankees to pony up, and we'll see if they do. And then the question is, is it the right thing? I heard Steve Phillips talking about the idea of giving someone like him, even though he's 25 years old, and even though you can give it over a long-term contract, to give a long-term contract, even at 25, he has pitched in the Japanese league for a long It's not like he's his arm's really fresh. He has been pitching in the equivalent, of, I suppose, of Major League Baseball for the last five years or so. So, I mean, he does have five years of, of, you know, stress on that arm. I know he's only 25, and don't get me wrong, I want to sign him. But, you know, Steve Phillips' point and, and several GMs' point is that $300 million for a pitcher who's never thrown a single pitch in Major League Baseball is crazy. I, there are a lot of people who feel that way. There are a lot of people who feel that way. No matter how young he is or how special he is, He's never thrown a pitch here, and you're going to give him Garrett Cole money? I think many people think that's crazy. Do the Yankees think it's crazy? I don't know. I think Steve Cohen will do it, so the Yankees are going to have to get close to it, if not over it. But is it worth it? Could you go out there right now and theoretically sign Blake Snell and Montgomery and be relatively in the same ballpark of how much money, of overall money? It won't be the same yearly, which is what the Yankees are focused on, I would think. So I think a lot of the deal, a lot of the time here is also trying to figure out whether it's pushing back money the way Otani did on some level. It won't be to that extreme. But pushing the money back or length of contract, trying to lower the overall money, especially for the Yankees year by year to get under that luxury tax, knowing they have to give Juan Soto probably at least $500 million next year. So I think the Yankees, you could see a long-term deal to keep the money down year uh, on the yearly basis uh, basis to help with the luxury tax. But I honestly believe the longer this goes, the more likely it's the Yankees. The more likely it's just him waiting to see how high the Yankees will go. Because I think he knows where the biggest number is. So I think if he was going to be a Met, he, he'd be a Met in the in the sh- near future. So we'll see. Hopefully it happens quick, though. And the battle between these two New York teams is fascinating. I can't wait to see what the other one does. I know, I feel pretty strongly that the Yankees will pivot. Doesn't mean they'll go out and get who they want, but they will go and try and make a trade. They will go and try and sign another free agent. They will do something to help bolster this rotation. I'm not sure what the Mets do if they lose. This would be a devastating loss for the Mets. It's a bad it's a loss for the Yankees. They really want them, and to lose to the the Mets and their new owner in the first real battle between the two teams, it's a loss. It's not the same as it is as a loss for the Mets. A much more, it's a much more personal uh, indictment on what this team is and the benefits of this new owner if they can't land the one guy they're going after with the most amount of money in an offer. It'd be a devastating loss for the Mets. Chris and in Inwood, what's up, Chris? Hi, Chris. Happy birthday, belated. How oh, you? thank you very much. I appreciate it. How are you? Doing good, man, trying to survive in this crazy world. I have two points to make about Yamamoto, if I may. The please, first one, which a lot do. of people are putting, thank you a lot. A lot of people aren't putting enough emphasis on his uh, uniform number, 18. Right. If you look at the history, 
If yes. you look at the Japanese history of the number 18, mm-hmm. usually dominant pitchers wear this number. It's a, it's a significant Mets, number in Japan, no question. And the Mets do not have it available. I have a friend that has season tickets, and management says that he says that management said that there's a Daryl Strawberry yes. game where they're retiring his number. Yes, they've already announced it. Yep. Okay. They're not, he's so not going to get number eight, the, He's not getting number 18 with the Mets. Right, and, and he isn't with the Dodgers either because that it's occupied with them too. So yeah. the Yankees have it available. The last person to wear it significantly was Didi. It's available. I don't know, but I want to touch on the it, point it, you mentioned it's, before. It might, it, I think it means very little. I think it's something. I think it's a nice gesture when they told him we saved it for you. Uh, Tanaka didn't wear 18 with the Yankees, so he wore 17 because it was occupied. I don't think. Right, right, right. I, I don't think it's the be all end all. I don't think it's something that's really going to sway a decision, but it's a nice little gesture where he could be like, "Look, I mean, these guys. It's a nice little. You know, they really do care about me. They're aware of things like this. They they take my feelings into consideration. But I don't think it'll right. be something that really sways." One way or the I other. I agree with that. I agree. I just. I don't think he's going to turn down fifty million dollars no, no. from Steve Cohen because they right. offered well, him number eighteen. That's my point. I think you're. I think you're. Right, you know, you hit the nail on the head. He's just playing the Yankees to see how much he can get. If he wanted to be a Met, he could already be a Met. But my other point was, I would rather like you. I'm not sure if I want him because we don't know what he, we're really getting. I mean, we have an idea, but he hasn't played. So we know, but with Blake Snell and with Jordan Montgomery, who Montgomery just pitched, literally pitched them into a championship, mm-hmm. we know what we're getting. Two lefties in Yankee Stadium. They both have proven they could pitch in the postseason. They both have really good stuff, sweeping curves, sweeping sliders. I don't know. And you could get the two of them for less than you would maybe pay for one Yamamoto. Over, I, overall, overall money, maybe, yeah. Not year, right. not, not year by year, but overall year. money. Yes, and then Chris, less, less commitment to years. They're yes. not giving these two guys ten years. No, that that is true. But neither of them. I mean, well, I guess. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not a crazy thought, Chris. It's not a crazy thought. Um, the Snell doesn't go deep into games. I don't know how long he's going to be good. He's he. I, they're both on the wrong side of thirty, I believe. Montgomery's a solid pitcher. He's not a top of the rotation pitcher. I'm sorry, he's just not in the. He's been. He was great in the postseason. And he won a postseason game for the Yankees. If we forget, you know, they were down two games to one heading into game four of the 2020 AL, ALDS, and he pitched them to a victory. So I agree. He's been a proven postseason pitcher. He is not a top-of-the-rotation guy. I don't believe that from Montgomery. I just don't think he is. Over the course of a year, he's a solid Number two, an excellent number three, who you absolutely have full confidence to giving the ball in the postseason, which is a valuable pitcher, which is why he's a commodity in the free agent market. But he's not a top of the rotation dominant guy. And his and his postseasons may come and go. Have a good one, have a bad one, have a good one, have a bad one. Like we don't know. I'd rather have Yamamoto than any of those two. But if you can tell me the argument is there that you could have both. In that rotation, for the same overall money and less commitment than just Yamamoto, who's never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball, it's a convincing argument. But the problem is, you can't do it for the year by year. the 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 total for the what it's going to impact the payroll on the on next year. It's actually going to hurt you more in trying to sign so- Soto next year than just uh, Yamamoto will. 
So, yeah, overall, the money's lighter. Overall, the commitment's lighter. But if you look at giving Soto a deal starting next season, those two pitchers hurt you more than just Yamamoto. Bob and Bayside. What's up, Bob? Yeah, Chris. Yes, sir. Did I just hear you say, I just hear you say and I want to quote you, yes. that Otani's the best baseball player who ever lived? Are you joking me? No, I'm not. He is. He's the best baseball player who ever lived. What's his lifetime batting average? Uh, I don't really care. Well, I'll tell you, two seventy four. Two seventy four. I mean, I know that's all. I know that's only one thing, mm-hmm. but Babe Ruth's lifetime. Forget all the home runs Babe Ruth hit. Yeah. Babe Ruth's lifetime batting average and and uh, Joe mm-hmm. DiMaggio's lifetime batting average was yeah. three forty three. Okay. Well, I, I, I see. Lifetime batting average doesn't mean anything, right? Not, not really. Now, what I'm talking about. Look, you're you're talking about careers. I'm telling you, the game of baseball has several components to it. There's hitting, hitting for power, hitting for average, overall batting, uh, defense, and pitching, and getting 27 outs. And no one in the history of baseball played the overall game of baseball better than Otani has for the last two years. We've never seen anything like it. No one's been a better baseball player than Otani has been for the last two years. No one's impacted a team. No one's played the game of baseball and everything that baseball could encompass than Shohei Otani for the last two seasons. Nobody in the history well, of the Babe game. Ruth was, Babe, Babe Ruth, Ruth was, was ne- not, and he never did both at the same time the way Otani did this last two years. He just never did. He never did both Babe at the Ruth, same time Babe like Ruth, this. Babe Ruth was hitting home runs when nobody was hitting I understand home that. I understand that. All I'm telling you, and but and we don't have to get it. Like if the 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 level of player right now that Otani faces and the level of pitching he faces is not even worth comp. Like, here's my point: If I were you, could take everybody in the history of the sport, pull up Babe Ruth, you know every single player who's ever played the game of baseball, and you bring them to Yankee Stadium today, and I had my life on the line to pick a team. And go out there and win a game or or start a season. There is no question the first pick is Shohei Otani. I have a starting pitcher and a cleanup hitter. No other player I pick gives me anywhere near that. It just doesn't. Babe Ruth was Babe Ruth was hitting home runs with a in a dead ball I know, area, I know, dead, I know. a dead bat a dead bat area. Yeah. Well, I, 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 listen, I still say I know it's only one aspect. Batting average. It does, yeah. But, it's I not mean, the. It's not. It's certainly not Wade the argument Boggs, winner. You think Wade you have. Boggs and Wade Boggs and Tony Brin, Gwynn were hitting three thirty every year. This kid's hitting two seventy four. And and, 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 and how many times did they hit forty home runs? Many times. Many. Well, well, well not uh, Wade Boggs no, hit forty home runs many no, times. No, you no, you're right about Boggs and Gwynn. No. I was talking about. Batting. And how many times but did they? About, and how many how times? How many times did they lead the? How many times did they lead the league in strikeout percentage? How many Wade times? How many times? Wade how Bob. many times did Wade Boggs hit three forty and then turn around and lead and and be the hardest pitcher to get a hit against in Major League Baseball? Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani was the hardest pitcher in the American League to get a hit against. You like batting average? How about batting average against? There wasn't a single pitcher in the American League where it was harder to get a hit off of than Shohei Otani, and he hit forty home runs. You talk about strikeout percentage. One year, Wade Boggs struck out only 10 times. 
Okay. The and if Wade Boggs played today, he'd strike out a hundred times. That's the game oh, yeah, of baseball. Okay. That's the game. He didn't face relievers coming in and throwing 102 miles an hour on a nightly basis. He say he faced the same pitcher three, four times. Same with Joe DiMaggio. Same with Babe Ruth. They didn't have to do what uh, these players are doing today. Strikeout numbers and batting average numbers are different because pitching is different. That's uh, sorry. That's just, if Babe Ruth had to face 99 miles an hour pitching, he hit 110. Yeah, oh yeah, he hit one. Yeah, he right. hit 110. Listen. Chris, I love you. I'm a great Yankee fan myself. Thank we, you, Bob. We have to agree. We have to agree to disagree. I, I guess you you don't care about the pitching angle at all. I don't know what to tell you. I don't like you're going to mention Wade Boggs because Wade Boggs hit 340 and won a bunch of battle tiles. I love Wade Boggs. I grew up. My first year remembering baseball was 1993. My father was a third baseman, or he was when he was a kid, or whatever. I don't know. Third base was my position. My first love was Wade Boggs. He was the first guy I really loved. Him and Don Mattingly. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know he was a Red Sox. I didn't know the history when I first started watching. He was the third baseman of the New York Yankees. He was my guy. I love Wade Boggs. Love him. He's not anywhere near Shohei Otani. And the idea that you would bring him up in comparison is silly. I really don't want to have this conversation again. I don't. Shohei Otani is doing things no one's ever done. He hit 40 home runs, and he's the hardest pitcher to get a hit against. I mean, come on. And people will tell you, well, he doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defense. He's thrown shutouts. I mean, what are we talking about? How many more outs is he is he uh, responsible for than any fielder in any team in any season? How many outs? How many putouts does the great center fielder get you? How many outs does that does that great third baseman get you? He's responsible for hundreds of outs. He's he plays the most important defensive position. I just, I don't get it. I don't get the pushback on this. And Babe Ruth, I'm sorry. I think it's the easiest argument that any generation of baseball players, all out of, like you said, and you pick a player, it's Shohei Otani. No doubt. There's no doubt. If I'm picking a team today, Shohei Otani is the first pick. I have my, I have a ace starting pitcher. He's not the best starting pitcher in the game, but he's one of them. He's in the top 10. He's in the top 12. I pick Otani. I have my cleanup hitter and one of top two or three hitters in the game. And I have an ace starting pitcher. Where else do I get that? And if you want to tell me, Babe Ruth, he didn't play against athletes like there are today. He just didn't. Go watch Babe Ruth swing and tell me if it resembles anything, the amount of movement his feet have. Like, he's a great player. Babe Ruth, next uh, until Otani showed up, was the greatest player in baseball history and had the better career. Otani has to do it for a long time to have the best career. Career and overall talent are two things that are two separate conversations. Last year, Shohei Otani played the game of baseball and everything it encompasses and every aspect of it better than anyone who's ever played the game. Nobody has ever been one of the most difficult pitchers to hit and be one of the best hitters in the league. He's doing both. 
Okay? He's doing both. He's Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Donald in the same player. He's the he's he's a top five quarterback in the league and a top five defensive pass rusher. It's crazy. It's crazy. Kyrie and Livingston, what's up, Kyrie? Yeah, man. How you doing, bro? Good. How are you, man? I understand what you're saying about Shohei Otani, but Shohei Otani is not the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. He's not. Nor is he, or he is, neither is he the best offensive player in Major League Baseball. And I'm tired of y'all putting all the hype on this guy because he's an international player. He's good at what he's doing. I'm not trying to knock him because he's a two-way player. But if he was the best pitcher in baseball, yeah. he'd be winning the Cy Young every year, which he didn't this year, but you'll no. see he got hurt. But he didn't last year neither. He's he not. He didn't win the MVP last year, and the only reason he led the Major League the home runs because Aaron Judge got hurt. Or he wouldn't yeah, let but, his major leagues the home runs either. Uh, okay, you're right. He's not the best pitcher, and I do think Judge is a better overall offensive player. I'm but right he's in. Then. But he's a, he. All right, then you make it sound like yeah, that's a winning argument. Name me, name me, name me. All right, uh, how, all right. So I'll tell you what. You're right. Judge is the better hitter. Where would you put Judge on the pitching scale? Is Judge is Judge is Judge in the top ten or fifteen pitchers in the game? That's what y'all mean. You say he's the best player in the baseball when he's not the best pitcher or he's not the best offensive player. So how is he the best? Because he because he's top ten in both. Oh my goodness! So why? What do you mean? What do you possibly mean? If you say he's impossible to hit, how many losses did this guy have last year? That's like saying that's like saying that's like saying you know a a guy who's the second best scorer in the NBA and the second best defender in the game isn't 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 the best player because hey he's not the best at both. And then and then just what we do we want to dismiss what older players did because they ain't playing these times like a buddy of mine. I'm not dismissing. Our NFL championships don't count because they ain't Super Bowls. And he's a so-called Giants fan. Like, what type of bull is that? Because times change. Well, so championship years, is a championship. That's fine. At 20 years, they call it the Ultra Bowl, and the Super Bowl don't exist no more. Yeah. Now what we're going to say Super Bowls don't count because they call it no, the Ultra I don't, Bowl. No, listen. Well, if, now you're hung up on an argument you and your friend have. Championships are championships. That's fine. I don't care about that. I mean, we, Super Bowls are different because they've added the AFL, they the merger, and, and it, but... Who cares? My point being, though, like when I talk about old players, they didn't they didn't have to go against the same level talent. They don't have the same level athletes. Yogi Berra had to run a bowling alley in the offseason to make ends meet. Alex Rodriguez built a, a baseball field in his in his garage. Like it's it's a and different it's a different thing. And a hot dog used to be five cents. Times change. Yes, I, of course. That but that doesn't. But that, that doesn't make it better. It's still better. It's still there's better athletes today than they were back then. That's okay. part of the times changing. That's all He's I'm saying. I, I, I think y'all fornicate over this dude too much. Well, I, I, I think your I think your argument that he can't be the best player when he's not the best at one when he's top ten at both and top he's a top five hitter without question and he's a That's top cool. ten pitcher. How does that okay. not make him the best baseball player in the league? How the hell does that – the idea that you could possibly say that with a straight face is ridiculous. He's, he's it, not number one in either. It doesn't matter. He's yes, top ten in both. Yes, it does. That doesn't matter. He's how can you say that doesn't matter? So how can he be the best? Oh, my God. How could you – because he contributes to the other side of the ball. What are you talking – he pitches. What do you mean? I don't, I don't understand. Like, that's just I, – I can't. 
I can't. I hon- I honestly cannot. I honestly cannot understand what he's talking about. Maybe you guys can. What in the world is he talking about? What in the world is he talking about? He's get- being top five in both doesn't make you the best player in the world. He doesn't deserve the MVP because he's not the best pitcher or best hitter. When he's this year, he was he, this year he was the best hitter. This year he was the best hitter before he got hurt. Without question, he was the most dynamic hitter in the sport this year and the most dangerous hitter in the sport this year with Judge getting hurt. So he was the best hitter in the league, and he's top 10, just to be kind, as a starting pitcher. How does that not make him the best player in baseball this year? How does that not make him the easiest MVP vote anyone could ever have? You want to argue Babe Ruth? I'll, 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 I'll play that game with you, and we can have that discussion. But the idea that he's not good or he's, he can't be considered great because he's not the clear-cut best at number one or clear-cut best at one of the two when he's a top-five hitter and a top-ten pitcher, name me another one of those. My God. That one's just bizarre. Now, I don't know why you hate Otani. That's fine. But that's just pure Otani hate. I don't understand how you could possibly. He wasn't the best player in baseball this year. What are you out of your mind he does both he does both he doesn't play defense name you know name another a a person who played defense this year that contributed to more outs for their team than Shohei Otani shortstops don't contribute that many outs he's a pitcher he struck out hundreds of batters he's responsible for hundreds of outs I I don't understand 